Right, good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. This is my wife Sherry. And we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. It will be in chapter 15 tonight, Believe and Receive. Just so you know, all of our teachings and Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partner with us with their tithes and their offerings and just so you know you can do so by going to our website at lighthouseofsacrament.org going to our give page and you can donate online from anywhere in the world if you'd rather send us a check you can make checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center and uh, at the bottom of every page on the website is our mailing address and you can send it there so thank you for doing this up Anyway, so we're going to be back in chapter 15, well, not back in chapter 15, we'll be back in our book tonight, The Believer's Authority, but we're going to be in chapter 15 tonight, that's entitled, Believe, <coughs> excuse me, Believe and Receive. And so, uh, we're past the halfway point of this book, it's a little bigger book than some of the other books that we have uh, studied uh, in times past and whatnot. So anyway, Believe and Receive, we're talking about the Believer's Authority. As believers, <coughs> excuse me, as believers, we have authority. And so uh, we've been talking a lot about authority in this book, about what is authority, what's not authority, what authority do we have. And uh, we've been looking at a lot of different things uh, regarding authority. Some of those things we talk about, how can we pray for the lost, and how does that work, and what does that look like, how does revival come, and whatnot. So here we are, we're talking about believing and receiving. We're really excited about this chapter because this is, I mean, in one sense, this title that I teach you all the time, we just need to simply believe and receive. I say it's simple because it's simple and as complicated as that. And yet, most of us are not necessarily walking in that. If we were, we would see a lot of different results. And so when we have, we're going to look at believing and receiving in the light of Believer's Authority, the title of this book and what this book is about. So, we have authority to believe, and we have authority to receive, and we're going to see how that fits into our, our study. Anything you have to share? You know, there's several ways of looking at it, and and you can see it all in Scripture, and uh, because it we're condensing it to an hour, I'm not going to spell out every Scripture, so I encourage you to study it out yourself. But you can look at believers' authority in a lot of different ways. Uh, in one sense, it's a mandate. Jesus told his disciples, including us, to go out into all the world, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. So you can look at it at, at, from that point of view, that uh, perception of, like, like if, the, if authority was a diamond. From one angle, one view, one prism aspect of that diamond, it, uh, believer's authority as believers of Jesus Christ, it's a mandate. If you go all the way back to Genesis, it is a kingdom right, if you will. When God created mankind, when he set Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave mankind authority over this earth. So it it was in many ways a covenant, a covenant right, an inheritance, 
uh, a, a mandate because uh, God's specifically told uh, Adam, Adam what his authority on the earth was going to be. Um, you can look at it from the kingdom aspect of the kingdom of God is here within us as believers of Jesus Christ. And I'm kind of honing down on believers of Jesus Christ because there's a lot of people believing in a lot of different things out there. But we are specifically talking about believers who believe in Jesus Christ and what God has done through his son. Um, gosh, there's, there's so much more, but I want to get back into the, into the study to see what Andrew has to say in chapter 15. So I know, uh, you know, we're looking ahead, and, and I've read this book before. We're going to be talking more when we talk about believers seeing. It might be a little different than what you think. We're not going to be talking about finances per se. We're going to be talking about more about the Holy Spirit and how it re relates to the believer's authority and how it relates to believers receiving. So, with that said, uh, let's go ahead. Point to Andy. Uh, I'll just jump right in. And I will jump right in after one point just to make clear. When we're talking about believing and receiving, we are not talking about that theology out there that people are naming and claiming it, I think some people call it. That That's not what this is. This is what God ordained for man to, to use and live with um, the authority that God's given us this is it I want a new car so I'm going to go around naming and claiming it this is not that at all this is in God's word what God has for the believer as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ it's our responsibility to boldly preach the gospel and faithfully teach God's word whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 13-15 and verse 17. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost arrested the people's attention. Seizing the opportunity, Peter stood up and preached Christ. The people responded by asking, What must we do to be saved? Peter answered, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Considering the context, the day of Pentecost, and looking back to Acts 1, 4 and 5, and verse 8, it's clear that the promise being spoken of here is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Almost everyone would agree that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is part and parcel of true revival. Peter was saying, what you've seen, 
that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this manifestation of the coming of God's Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, and the miraculous manifestations this has caused is not only for you, but also for your children, for your children's children, and all those who will follow. Peter was looking into the future to the generations to come, saying that this promise they were experiencing of the outpoured Holy Spirit is for us today too. So I don't have a lot to say here because I've already kind of talked about this briefly, but uh, you know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in regards to uh, believing, receiving, and regards to the believer's authority. And this is also, we just finished talking the last few weeks, our last few sessions. I know we missed some because we were on vacation, but we were talking about how the previous chapter we were talking about how does revival come, and before that we were talking how about how do we pray for the lost. And I believe we need revival. I believe you need revival in your country. We need revival in this country. We need a worldwide revival. Okay? We're talking about, we're still in the context of talking about how does revival come. And we're also in the context of the book, Believer's Authority. We have a part to play in seeing revival come. Okay? And it's not, it's not how some of you have been taught or believed. I used to, I used to be big on revival, and I still am. But I'm, I'm big on revival from a totally different perspective now. I saw a great revival in my high school days, and sometimes I wish I could go back to those. But God is doing a new thing here today, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, really, really in context of how does revival come, and also uh, more specifically, we're going to tie all of that into. I believe as authority. You know, I, I I know this may sound like I'm going off topic, but I am actually just throwing this, adding this verse uh, it, into the equation as we talk about believers and authority and talking about the Holy Spirit and all that God has given us in authority. Uh, in Ephesians one, it says in, in Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the, Lord, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just hold that in, in the corner of your mind as you're chewing and digesting on uh, what we and, and Andrew have to say. God never quit pouring out His Holy Spirit. This promise was intended to go from generation to generation to all believers throughout time. Although the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been widely recognized and received by the body of Christ at large for the last century or so, it's not because they weren't available. An honest look at church history will reveal pockets of believers down through the centuries ever since the book of Acts, who received the Holy Spirit and operated in his power. However, somewhere along the way, perhaps around the beginning of what's now called the Dark Ages, the church at large, for whatever reasons, stopped believing for and receiving this promise. In the early days of Azusa Street and the beginning of the Pentecostal movement, these believers didn't fully understand how they received this powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand exactly what they did, or if they did anything at all to occasion it. 
As a result, one of the dominant doctrines that emerged from those early days of the Pentecostal movement was to tarry for the Holy Spirit. They said you have to beg and plead with God to pour out and fill you with his Holy Spirit. They would just wait, sometimes years, for this cataclysmic experience where God would touch them and baptize them in the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if we're swung over to the opposite extreme today. Many people come forward who have never even heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When the minister asks if they'd like to receive, they answer, well, I guess so. They don't know why they need the Holy Spirit. They don't know what to expect. There's no anticipation and no desire. I've seen people receive prayer for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, walk back to their seat, and it seems to have zero impact on their life. That's not good either. It shouldn't be that way. One good thing about the way the old-time Pentecostals did it was that when they finally received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it meant something to them. They would pray desperately, wailing, travailing before God, sometimes for years. But once received, the Holy Spirit had a profound impact on their lives. We know today that we don't have to tarry or wait for God to pour out His Spirit. We don't have to beg and plead for the Lord to send the Holy Ghost. We can just believe and receive the free gift He's given. Still, it would be wonderful to see the hunger that the tarrying produced. Okay, so one thing that Andrew's pointing out right now, uh, we're talking about we're talking about the believer's authority. That's the title of this book. But we're also talking about believing and receiving. More specifically, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But in the last chapter, we also talked about revival. How does revival come? And Andrew is still continuing on that theme or that con the context of how does revival come. And <coughs> in this particular section, <coughs> Andrew is, is talking about there's two extremes that have happened in the last hundred years or so. There are those who, under the, under the context of tearing for the Holy Spirit, as it's talked about in Scripture, especially in the book of Luke, would not, is that there was this belief, you know, and, and, uh, just a generation ago, then there, like there was just a street revival and different things like that, where people would begin to tarry and trail, and trail, and um, there's a word I'm looking for, but uh, travail and prayer, and begging God to pour out His Spirit. And then there's the streams today where people don't even care about the Holy Spirit. People don't talk about the Holy Spirit. People don't teach about the Holy Spirit. People don't focus on the Holy Spirit. Some people don't even know what the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And so there's, there's one extreme that I, I consider to be very religious, where they're carrying, begging God to move, and then there's, uh, in, in the context of the Holy Spirit, and then there's another extreme where people could almost, in one sense, care, they might not say it this way, but they could care less about the Holy Spirit because they never talk about it. I don't see a lot of posts on Facebook and different things about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, they're not, they're not the same thing and, and that we see in years ago where people begin to tell you for the Holy Spirit. And I believe in once, and as Andrew's right now, both sides of the fence are wrong. One is extreme begging God to move, and one is not even asking God to move at all. And so, in one sense, <coughs> especially, excuse me, especially in the context of the Holy Spirit. 
And one thing Andrew brings here in the conclusion of the section is that we know today we don't have to tarry to wait for God to pour out His Spirit. Why? Why don't we have to tarry for God to pour out His Spirit? Because He's already done it. He did it at Pentecost 2,000 years ago. He's poured out His Spirit on all flesh, and He never has taken His Holy Spirit back. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Some of our worship songs say, Holy Spirit, come. The Holy Spirit never left. We left. We haven't focused on him. And that's kind of the second generation that uh, he's bringing out. There's no focus on him. The Holy Spirit didn't leave. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. You know, uh, some people think there's a, uh, they'll call a certain place, maybe a bar, excuse me, or certain places that are considered evil. It'd be a God-forsaken place. Well, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. There's no place that the Holy Spirit can't go. Now, there might not be any God-fearing people in that particular bar or, or place, and there might be a lot of evil in that area, and there might be a lot of demonic forces in that in that area. But there's really no, no such thing as a God-forsaken place because God can go can go everywhere. I mean, David writes in the Psalms where he says, if I go into heaven, you're there. If I go into in, in the depths of hell, you're there. You can't escape him. Now, there's coming a day when there's coming a, there will be a hell where God will not be. And one of the most scariest parts about hell is not the fire and the torment and the brimstone. It's that there won't be no presence of God. And one of the best things about heaven is not so much that we, we that the streets of gold and heaven and earth, a new heaven, new earth and eternity and no crying and no pain. One of the best parts about heaven is God is there. Okay? Now, I want to bring this back to topic. I don't believe, and I like, I appreciate what Andrew says here. We don't have to beg and plead for God to move. We don't have to tarry for God to, to pour out His Spirit. At the same point in time, I do appreciate the generation that cared. I do appreciate the, gener the generation that thought the Holy Spirit meant something. I do believe I, I do appreciate the generation that that brought value and uh, and and uh, respect and honor and, and they, 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 there was an importance in the Holy Spirit. I believe some of the, the theology was wrong. I believe, I believe some of their approach was wrong. But as this street did see the movement of the Holy Spirit. And certain generations did see the movement of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The, 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 the people that do concern me that are the people who have no interest in the Holy Spirit, who have no, are totally ignorant of the Holy Spirit. Some of those people, because they're ignorant, I'm not necessarily getting on their case, but it's time to wake up. It's time. And God's not the one who fell asleep. We are. God's not the one who left. We did. God's not... God's not waiting to pour out His Spirit. We, he's waiting for us to believe and receive Him. And to begin to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just did a teaching series of several months ago about knowing the Holy Spirit. Having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to have a relationship in knowing God. I believe we need to have a relationship in knowing Jesus. And I believe we need to have a relationship in knowing the Holy Spirit. And it's not that God doesn't want to move. It's not that God's Holy Spirit doesn't want to move uh, to, to, to dwell in us. Most of us are not paying, giving Him any attention. We, we give a lot of attention to Jesus, praise God. We give a lot of attention to God the Father, 
praise God. But most, a lot of us don't give the Holy Spirit any attention. And those who do give the Holy Spirit attention, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are just gooks. I'm not trying to be mean, but they, 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 their religiosity and, and Holy, the way they, they portray the Holy Spirit is just eerie. It's, it, I want to take a shower when I'm done. Because it's not the Holy Spirit, it's religion. And I'm not trying to paint everybody with that picture, but I've been around a lot of people under the name of the Holy Spirit, and everything they do and say has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And and, and so, so, there's, so there's been extremes and abuse of the Holy Spirit, and there's also been abandonment of having nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And I believe we just need to simply believe the truth of God's Word, believe the Spirit of God, and receive it, and allow Him... Because the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he wants to operate in and through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more we're going to get into. But I, I, I'm trying to hope, hope we bring some clarity to some of that. And you know, this this isn't to get down on anyone. Um, it, it's just a sad fact that uh, there's been some mismanagement so to speak of teaching on the Holy Spirit you know I I remember growing up in my church and if it wasn't for my dad teaching me uh, and for my own reading of the Word of God myself the church I grew up in um, we would read the scriptures out loud and would talk about the Holy Spirit but I do not remember ever being taught about the Holy Spirit except for my dad uh, who taught me about being filled with the Holy Spirit. He taught me about who the Holy Spirit was. And I, at a young age, read the scriptures and the Bible stories and I knew the, who the Holy Spirit was. But sadly, Dave and I have been to churches where He's either not spoken of or he's portrayed as kooky and or either ignored uh, because he, supposedly it's taught that it's not for today and, and he's no longer moving or they've been taught about the spiritual gifts but not about the one who, who lives in us, the one who, who, who moves in us, who... who um, lives in us who, who gifts these to us you know if it, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit I don't know what I would do um, he, he is so alive in me and I have such a relationship with him that it really saddens me when, when people don't I remember when I first met Dave and he, he was a youth pastor and I remember talking to some of the youth and they didn't know any of the Bible stories. They didn't know about, say, Moses or King David or Esther or any of the, the Bible stories. And they, they didn't really have a grasp on uh, what relationship with, with God was. They just weren't taught. that. Dave and I have been married 21 years. So that was over 21 years ago. I have been around people today that... They don't have the grasp. They don't know why we celebrate Christmas. They they don't understand the Holy Spirit or or why 
we have a relationship with, with God even. And, and that, that really, really saddens me. Uh, you know, the, even Paul talks about living in the spirit or living in our flesh. And when we react and live in our flesh, uh, pardon the expression, all hell breaks loose. But when we have a relationship with the Spirit and let Him lead and guide us, uh, great things happen. I mean, look look at Peter, who before the cross, he put his foot in his mouth so many times. Uh, so many of us can relate to Peter because he just, uh, he, he just uh, yeah, put his foot in his mouth too many times. But yet, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he got up and he preached eloquently and he spoke to people's hearts and 3,000 got saved just by the Holy Spirit moving in Peter and him preaching the gospel. And, uh, you know, so many times in, in Scripture, they talk about the early church preaching the gospel with signs and wonders following you can't have signs and wonders following you can't have the power of god without the holy spirit so there's so much to say about this and we're going to get a little deeper so we're not waiting for the holy spirit the holy spirit is already here some of us just need a revelation and uh the note we some of us just need to be introduced to the holy spirit and begin mm -hmm. to have a relationship with him okay and uh you know, when Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks, he's not talking. He's not knocking on the world. Not that he's not. He's knocking on the door of his church, and he wants to come in and sup with us and be with us and have a relationship with us. And he did. He was knocking on the door of the church in his worst condition. There's seven churches in, in Revelations two and three, and the church in its worst condition. Jesus was standing at the door to knock, and I believe the Holy Spirit in one way is standing at the door to knock so he can come in and be with us. And so we're talking in the context of revival. And one sense, we're not waiting for God to pour out His Spirit. We're not waiting for God to do revival. God's waiting on us to uh, believe and receive His gospel and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get into that. Let's let Andrew uh, add more light to this. And you might be thinking, what's so special about the Holy Spirit? Why are you uh, asking? Whatever. The, the, the most simplest but most powerful thing in one sentence I can say about the Holy Spirit is his topmost ministry is to reveal the Father to us. That's why, that's who, that's what the Holy Spirit does. His top ministry, his own ministry, is to reveal Jesus Christ to us. And that in itself is just unbelievably powerful. Awesome. Well, this section is, go to, go to Jerusalem. In Acts 1, Jesus told his disciples to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Acts 1, 4 and 5. At the time, Jesus had resurrected, but he hadn't yet ascended. He was still bodily upon the earth. 
Soon after he ascended, though, he poured out the Holy Spirit on his disciples on the day of Pentecost. Now that the Holy Spirit has already been given, there's no need to wait any longer. In light of that, if you're going to take this admonition to wait literally, then you must also physically go to the city of Jerusalem to do it. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Luke 24, 49. Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, Acts 1-4. Jesus told these disciples to wait because there was about 50 more days until Pentecost. That's not the case anymore. Now that the Holy Spirit has already been poured out, you can just believe and receive. I've seen thousands and thousands of people pray for and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and have a life-changing experience with God right away simply by believing and receiving. You don't have to wait and tarry. I'm going to put our website in the comments here in just a moment. I should have done that already. But anyway, um, <coughs> you know, Jesus is talking about, I mean, excuse me, Peter's, I mean, Andrew's talking about, the author of this book. First of all, he's still piggybacking on this tarry into Jerusalem. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of people are, are have the belief that we have to tarry for the Holy Spirit to come and pour out revival, and that's not true. Because first of all, the Holy Spirit has already been poured out, and if you're going to tarry for the Holy Spirit to come, then one of the points Andrew is going to make: if, or if you're going to if you're going to take that scripture, then you got to take the whole scripture, because then you have to go to Jerusalem to tarry for the Holy Spirit. So if you're going to believe one half of the verse, you got to believe the other half of the verse. And go to Jerusalem. We don't need to go to Jerusalem to see revival. We don't need to go to Jerusalem to see the Holy Spirit poured out. The Holy Spirit has already been poured out. And as Andrew said, he's seen thousands of people filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. We have seen people, well, I can't say we've seen thousands, but we've seen people baptized in the Holy Spirit in this church. And we do teach in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to put our website on our on the comments, and if you have more questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit tongues, we have articles. If you go to our resources page and go and under resources, you go to core teachings. Under core teachings, we have teachings on the Holy Spirit, and the teachings that we have are actually been written by Andrew Womack, the author of this book. And so, uh, anyway. Uh, I'll share that in the comments uh, below. It's really neat. In the back of Andrew's books, at least the ones that I've read, he always puts in uh, little sections on receiving Jesus as your Savior, receiving the Holy Spirit. It, it's really simple. Even if you go to his conferences, he always ends uh, each session with, uh, if anyone wants to receive Christ, if anyone wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, even Jesus himself talks about all we have to do uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, which as Dave shared and Andrew, he's already been poured out. We just need to ask and receive, and that's it. 
and we've we've been around people who have asked and they're like nothing's happened I don't feel anything I don't feel different you know I'm not seeing or doing or you know I, I'm I just shouldn't be there be more than that and on the opposite side uh, for example like me when I was uh, I, I was a young child when, when this happened I remember sitting in church and my dad preaching and I literally felt the Holy Spirit pour, pour into me and fill me up. Not everyone's going to have that experience. It doesn't mean you're not filled. When hopefully I could, I can uh, make what I'm going to say make make sense. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit has already been poured out, and there's scripture after scripture to back this up. And again, go to our website, like Dave said, he's putting it in now, uh, and, and look into, into that. In the Old Testament, there's so many prophecies about it. In the New Testament, Jesus talks to, to all of his disciples, including us, about how he must go away so that he can uh, send the promise of the, of the Holy Spirit when we talk about the Holy Spirit being poured out, it doesn't mean everyone automatically has a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit is there, like Dave shared a little bit ago, standing at the door and knocking. He's not just going to fill every person and boom, uh, you have it whether you like it or not, you, you have him. No, he's waiting for you to, to ask and receive him in, to, to open the door of your heart and let him in. Uh, God didn't make any of us robots. We have the choice to receive Jesus Christ. We have the choice to reject him. We have the choice to, to ask for the Holy Spirit and be filled and baptized with him. Uh, or we can live our lives without him, which I highly do not recommend living without Jesus and the Holy Spirit that just, again, I don't know how I could live without Jesus Christ as my Savior, without the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. Uh, this world is too hard uh, to deal with, with not having uh, them in my life. But uh, hopefully hopefully that made sense. Again, like Dave said, check out the our website. It has uh, more in-depth teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can also ask questions in um, when you go on the website and contact us and I well, since we're on that you know a lot of people want to reach out to us you know and just so you know I don't use messenger there's a lot of reasons for that I apologize uh, you know and so if you want to contact us go to our website uh, on the bottom of every page we have our uh, website I mean our email there uh, we have a contact us page you can contact us there and so uh, if you want to get in contact with us that's the best way to do it okay and so we will respond we will respond to emails we will respond to uh, our contact page sometimes if you send an email it will go to a junk file you know and so hopefully we we catch it we don't always check our junk file uh, but uh, so if you send us an email and we didn't respond it's because it more likely went to our junk file and we apologize for that so you're just gonna need to bug us somehow Okay, and so, uh, so, and then if we bug us, we'll go find it and we'll respond.
Okay. Anyway, let's go ahead and get back into study. Uh, we've got it. We've, I want to say we, excuse me, we've already got it. Most people would agree with what I'm sharing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to revival, they just shift gears saying, Oh, but we have to beg and plead, wail and travail. We must get a million people praying and fasting together so God will send revival and pour out His Spirit. No, you just have to believe. You just have to receive. And as you get revived, you'll have an opportunity to influence and share that revival with the people around you. As you, your friends, your family, your workplace get revived, they go out and share too, and it spreads. The reason we aren't seeing a greater revival isn't because we don't have millions of people praying and asking God to pour out His Spirit. It's simply that we have very few people who are flowing in revival, believing God's Word, taking their authority, and making the power of God manifest. Duncan Campbell, an outstanding Scottish preacher in the early to mid-20th century, preached the Scottish... He, he breeds... Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. Revival. This was a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit that was received over a hundred years ago. I actually heard him speak when he was older. He told how there were two little Scottish women who prayed for over 20 years... Then there was a Scottish pastor and his seven elders who also prayed nearly a year, all asking the Lord to pour out his spirit. Finally, one day the power of God hit, and they experienced all of these glorious things. He said this happened because of all that begging and pleading with God for over 20 years. Several years after hearing that, I heard the testimony of a man who as a young man had shown up at that final prayer meeting right before the power hit. He said that these other men had prayed every Saturday night for almost a year. They were begging God for an outpouring of the Spirit. This young man walked in, prayed until 2 in the morning, and declared, Either God's word is true or it isn't. We've got it. We're, I'm going home. The revival actually came when they quit begging and started believing. Once they started believing God's word that revival was theirs, everything changed and the power was loosed. We've been given power and authority by the Lord. We must step out in faith and use what God has given us or revival won't manifest. So one thing Andrew's uh, trying to bring out this uh, testimony, hopefully you heard me okay, this, uh, this story that he shared. Basically, he's, uh, when, what Sherry's reading here is a story from Andrew where, you know, uh, all these people were begging and pleading for God to move. And <coughs> finally, on the last day of this prayer meeting, uh, they finally just, one, one particular gentleman at least, uh, gave a testimony that he just finally believed we got it. And when he finally believed that we got it, revival hit. Uh, and it wasn't that they were waiting, God was waiting for, uh, it wasn't that they were waiting on God. They thought they were. God was waiting for them to finally believe that they got it. And when they finally realized they had it, revival began to take place. You know, with Sherry and I, we both grew up, grew up in great Christian homes. We both grew up, grew up in good churches and whatnot. And, and the fact that we are where we are today because of them. It, uh, you know, we wouldn't even be Christians. So we wouldn't be, be born again. We wouldn't have grown up in good homes if it wasn't for our churches and upbringing and whatnot. And there's a lot more I could think of accolades for. 
But we are what we are today because of everything that's ha taking place in our lives, and we don't take any of that lightly. At some point in time, <coughs> in 2009, it, around that time, we were introduced to Andrew Womack. This was actually the first book I read from him. And uh, we, we eventually went to his Bible school between 2013 and 2016. We went to his Bible school for three years. We graduated, whatnot. You know, and during that time frame, I had some, before that, I had some theology that was good, but it was, well, it wasn't good, it was off. It was wrong. And, and God began to change some of that theology. And he actually used people like Andrew Womack to begin down that path. At the same point in time, uh, during that season when Sharon and I were going to Karis, Karis Bible College, is the name of the Bible College that Andrew has. And if you could actually join online to his Bible school from anywhere in the world. But at the same point in time, <coughs> Sharon and I were going to school four days a week, four hours a day, 16 hours a week. And during that time frame, we were having a revival because we were seeing for the first time that everything we have for life and godliness, everything that we have been praying for, we already have. And that was that was the best years of our lives. And in one sense of the word, that revival hasn't stopped. We've had some bumps along the way. We've had some hiccups and some, uh, some issues of life that have hit us along the way. But we really have started our... <coughs> excuse me. We started that revival back in 2009, 2013, in that, in that, in that window. And we haven't really looked back. We've had, I can't, we've, I, it hasn't always been a bed of roses. But at the same point in time, we have not gone back. And uh, in, in some ways, it's gotten sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. You know, it's gotten better and better. Uh, and so revival began in our lives when we finally, when we stopped trying to get it. And we've realized that we already have it, you know. And so, stop trying to get the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to get revival. Realize you have it and start walking in it. Start operating in it. And you know, I know there's uh, so many scriptures about the Holy Spirit that, that we can share with you. You know, even Jesus himself uh, in John 14 He's talking to his twelve disciples, and he's and he's you know letting them know again that he, he you know must needs to be crucified that he that he's going away. But in chapter fourteen, he specifically says that it is um, important that he goes so that uh, the Holy Spirit can can come and abide with us and. You know, read it for yourself, but John 14, uh, we'll start in verse 16. Jesus himself says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And, you know, so much more in the rest of that chapter about the Holy Spirit. But we see oftentimes in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would would rest on people. Uh, he, he would visit them, so to speak, and, and, and leave for, you know, the, uh, wherever was going on. Um, so he, he uh, so the Holy Spirit has, I mean, even back in Genesis where it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, 
the Holy Spirit has always uh, been connected to the Trinity as part of the Godhead, that Jesus himself promises us that he will give us the Holy Spirit, and not only give us the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is going to live and dwell with us and not leave. And it, it, Jesus speaking it isn't, this is kind of an odd way of looking at it, so forgive me. Again, I hope I'm making myself clear. So many prophecies about the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself is telling us the truth in John 14. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave you, but I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself says it. He promises it. Uh, it's basically a covenant promise. Hey, here you go. I'm, I am sending you my spirit to live and dwell with you, to never leave you. And he, he, goes, he, he goes into so much more. Um, but it... It just to me it just means it so much more importance that Jesus himself says it and promises it and doesn't just promise but gives it but also when you when you read through the Gospels and, and you and you come to wherever Jesus is asking you will receive he, he also talks about how good the Father is uh, God the Father is who gives good gifts the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit speaking in, in tugs anything that has to do with the holy spirit is a good gift and we should rejoice in the fact that jesus didn't want us to, to live alone but he wanted to dwell in us with his holy spirit well i'm just checking the time real quick we have about nine minutes so we can read through one more little section this section's called silence Imagine that you've given me your Bible. It's a gift and it's in my possession right now. What would you do if I turned to you and asked, may I please borrow your Bible? I'd like to look up a scripture. I really need to hear from God and I believe he's speaking to me. Would you please give me your Bible? I could beg, I could plead, I could even try to condemn you saying, if you weren't really a Christian, if you were really a Christian, you'd share your Bible with me. What would you do? You've already given it to me. How do you respond to someone who is asking you to give them something they've already got? How do you answer somebody who is begging you to do something you've already done for them? If I was the one being asked those questions, I'm not sure how I respond. Probably I just look at them dumbfounded. I wouldn't say anything. If someone is ask, asking for something they already have, how does a response how does a person respond to that? Probably in silence. Sounds a lot like the way God has responded to all of our begging and pleading for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, God poured out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and he's never withdrawn him since. Acts 2, 38 and 39. The Lord has never become so ticked off that he just said, All right, Holy Spirit, come on back. No more revival. No more manifestations. God didn't cause the church to go through the dark ages. He didn't will that there be a period of time where truth would be so bound up 
that very few would ever see it. God didn't just all of a sudden sovereignly reach down and touch Martin Luther. He didn't just decide to pour out his Holy Spirit upon the reformers to do something new because after all, God was tired of a thousand years worth of deadness on the earth. No, the problem wasn't God's giving. It was our believing and receiving. Okay, so again, uh, Andrew's in one sense just reiterating the same thing that I've heard. Andrew shared us a lot of times about things, but so many of us are begging God to do something that he's already done. He's beckoning us to give him, give us something he's already given us. And so, uh, and so the title of the section is silence. You know, one reason we think, one reason God's being silent is because we're asking to do something and give us something he's already done. And so you can't, you can't operate in something if you're still trying to get what you already have. Stop trying to get it and receive believe and receive what you already have you already ha ha have God you already have the Holy Spirit you already have his word you already have the power the same power to raise Christ from the dead you already have it the same power to heal the sick to raise the dead to cast out devils there's nothing you already have his fullness it says in John 1 16 excuse me of his fullness we have received and grace for grace Ephesians 3 19 says that we have um, we are filled with the very fullness of God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think according to the power that worked in us. We already have the fullness of God. We already have the healer. We already have the provider. We already have uh, everything in God, everything in life and godliness we already have in the knowledge of God. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. 2, 3, and 4. And so, <coughs> we're not waiting for God to pour out His Spirit. We're not waiting for God to do something new. We're not waiting for God to do revival. He's waiting for us to believe and receive what He's already given us in Christ through the Holy Spirit, through His Word. And we just need to believe it, and we need to receive it, and start using it. Start. Now, I'm going to be teaching a new... It's not a new series to us, but it might be a new series to you. But I'm going to be starting a new series this week. Uh, on Sunday about being established in righteousness. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about in the next few weeks is that, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but, you know, God's already, I won't be hitting on it completely this week, but, you know, there's something that we're supposed to be doing now. And there's something that we're supposed to be operating in now. There's something that's supposed to be manifested in our lives now because of what Jesus did for us the cross you know you don't have to stay tuned for that i give you a little teaser but uh anyway i lost my train of thought so i forgot where i was going with this but anyway i'm gonna be talking about new uh being established in righteousness starting this sunday and you know for for any of you who may be listening and haven't received the lord as your savior uh or received the holy spirit or maybe you're going to be ministering to someone um that you come in contact about receiving Jesus as your Savior or uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. You know, I just want to read a little quick blurb uh, that Andrew has in the in the back of the of the book for anyone with those questions. And also, again, please reach out through our, our website um, to, to ask us questions about 
receiving Jesus as your Savior or being baptized in the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit. Again, like Dave said, we have uh, blogs and, and different teachings on the website uh, to, to help you fully understand it more. Uh, but, but Andrew, in the back of his book, uh, he talks about if you want to receive the Lord as your, as your Savior and receive the Holy Spirit. So I just want to read uh, a part of this. Choosing to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the most important decision you'll ever make. God's word promises, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 through 10 and 13. By his grace, God has already done everything to provide salvation. Your part is simply to believe and receive. You can pray out loud, Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive salvation now. Thank you for saving me. The very moment you commit your life to Jesus Christ, the truth of his word instantly comes to pass in your spirit. Now that you're born again, there's a brand new you. As his child, your loving, loving Heavenly Father wants to give you the supernatural power you need to live this new life. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Luke 11, 10 and 13. All you have to do is ask, believe, and receive. You can pray, Father, I recognize my need for your power to live this new life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. By faith, I receive it right now. Thank you for baptizing me, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in my life. Congratulations. Now you're filled with God's supernatural power. That's all you need to do is just ask and receive. Excuse me. Some syllables. Uh, some syllables from a language you don't recognize will rise up from your, your heart to your mouth. See 1 Corinthians 14, 14. As you speak them out loud by faith, you're releasing God's power from within and building yourself, yourself up in the spirit. See verse 4. You can do this whenever and wherever you like. It doesn't really matter whether you felt anything or not when you prayed to receive the Lord and His Spirit. If you believed in your heart that you received, then God's Word promises you did. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. God always honors His Word. Believe it. And again, if you have any more questions or if you've prayed this prayer yourself, reach out to Dave and I uh, through our, our website. We'd love to talk uh, more with you about it. 
uh, or answer any questions you may have. And again, there's teachings, like Dave said, on the website already for you to read and understand um, this a little bit more better if you have questions. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So again, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We ran out of time today. Uh, you know, I think the two most important things you could ever do is receive Jesus. The second of all, receive the, the second to that. The most important is receive Jesus. You can go to heaven uh, without by receiving Jesus. You can go to heaven without receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are born again if you don't. But the second best thing to that, and the second best, is receiving the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so uh, those are just two things. I just can't imagine living life without it. And so it's it's good. It's not people have abused it. People have abandoned it. <coughs> I say believe it and receive it. And so. Well, we're out of time, so we'll pick it up next week. But uh, You know, when you believe it and you receive it and you read God's Word to understand uh, what it is to, to be a child of the King, what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it not only will, will help you live life, but it will change your life. It, I mean, being born again, you are a brand new uh, creation, and you can... Read it in Second Corinth about that in Second Corinthians chapter five. Uh, that's a pretty amazing chapter uh, talking about us being new creations when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Um, but you know, blessings to you all. Awesome. All right. We'll see you Sunday, eleven uh, fifteen a.m. Pacific Standard Time, as we'll be talking about being established in His righteousness. <laughs>